0: Welcome to Broad Eye, the podcast that explores knowledge gaps in ophthalmology and eye care. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode. My name is Sean Maloney, and I'm going to be the host of this episode, and probably a bunch of other ones. And I'm going to be um, talking here with our producer, Bruno Fernandez, Doctor Bruno Fernandez. So, Bruno, uh, thanks for <laughs> thanks for joining me today on this first episode.
1: Thanks for the invite man I'm always your, your
0: crazy ideas. <laughs> there you go well it's and it, you're you're in deep this time you uh you've committed to being the producer of this show so uh it's going to it's going to be an adventure I think. So I thought maybe we could just start off with a little uh background information like just if you had to give your elevator pitch to the audience or who you are and uh maybe why you're interested in this. vehicle, I guess, for uh, having conversations in the fields of ophthalmology and eye care?
1: Yeah, so uh, I am an ophthalmologist. Like I did my my medical training in Brazil. Uh, I did my my specialty uh, training in ophthalmology in Brazil as well. And then I moved to Canada uh, to pursue my uh, PhD. And then after, I did uh, uh, two postdocs. And eventually, I was uh, appointed an assistant professor at McGill University. I worked there for three years, and then I I kind of like put that career on hold, uh, and I kind of like focus a bit on my parallel career. You know, like I I've always been a, a martial artist. Like uh, I com- I competed, you know, like on the highest level, and uh, I I had a like a small dojo that I used to take it more as a hobby, but eventually that grew. To the point that was taking a lot of my time, so I I, I had a this big career shift where I left, left academia and uh, I decided to become an entrepreneur, and that's that's what I've been doing like uh, since then.
0: So what's the what's the uh, interest on your side in coming on board in this crazy project as a producer?
1: Yeah I, I like the the your mission you know like your I mean, your 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 vision of uh uh making the 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 medical knowledge uh, more accessible for patients you know I think there's a huge gap between what page, what doctors say and and what patients understand and uh they're usually left uh with a lot of misinformation and and that leads to uh poor health care in general right? like, i mean, uh, like i mean the like I mean, patients that are not uh, uh, fully aware of what's going on with their health like cannot make like i mean proper informed decisions you know like and that that leads to a lot of problems down the road i i mean i've been a doctor before so i kind of like understand their side but like right now I, I might identify myself more as a patient so i I, I feel a bit the pain, you know, like on how how it is like I mean, to be like left out, left out, and a, a bit lost, you know, like navigating the the, the health system.
0: Ah, fair. So, um, you know, and on my side, uh, my background is not as a doctor, but it's as a researcher, I guess. So, I did a, a PhD and in postdoc in ocular pathology lab, and. Uh, A little bit like you, decided to venture off on some entrepreneurial pursuits after that. Um, I have a bit of a unique perspective because I'm also also legally blind from a condition called retinitis pigmentosa, something I found out when I was about five years old, many, uh, many, many years ago. And uh, I've also been involved in some fundraising um, for vision research. in that space worked with people in industry uh did you know orientation and mobility training as someone who is visually impaired so I kind of uh jack of all trades in, in this domain master of none but uh, like you said I think that uh for me the impetus and in, in pushing forward on this project really lies in knowledge transfer um, not just for patients but also for clinicians for people working in industry people, um, really anybody in that in that space, because I think there's a lot of things that patients would like to, for their doctors to know. And there's probably a lot of things that doctors would like industry and uh, researchers and engineers to know. And so I think that this provides a, a platform for just straight talk conversation. You know, we're, we're having this conversation today, recording it this is, there's zero rehearsal here. Like we're just, <laughs> it's not going to be massive amounts, of editing. And, you know, uh, it's, it's just to have straight conversations. Right. So, um, one of the topics we wanted to, uh, to get into today though, was about miscommunications in healthcare a little bit. And I think you've got some, some stories that maybe you can share with the people who are listening.
1: Yeah, man, plenty, right. Like, I mean, uh, stories where, I was i was I was the doctor and the stories where I was the patient you know like and then uh I mean some of them are actually quite funny, you know like I mean maybe we can start with those <laughs> i uh, I, I, mean, I have a friend that is his mother like i mean went to an angiogram of her retina and uh she got the report right what what and they were, she was supposed to bring the report to the to her ophthalmologist that requested it and then she read it obviously right like and uh there was the description there which was, the exam was pretty normal right like I mean she had some some age related changes and uh one of the terms that freaked her out was a uh, like uh, sclerosis of the retinal vessels, right which is pretty normal for for someone of that age but like the funny thing is like sclerosis like in, in, in Brazil, it's a bit of a derogative term that's used for for elderly people with senile dementia, you know? like So <laughs> I mean, she read that thing, I was like, oh my God, I have dementia. you <laughs> know. And then she was like freaking out, you know? And of course, like, I mean, she didn't have access like to the person that did the exam nor to the ophthalmologist that she hadn't seen yet, you know? And then she was just panicking and, and like, I mean, my friend, like reached out to me and eventually he sent me the, the report and, and, and I read it, you know, and I was like, okay, like just, everybody just calm down. <laughs> like, I mean, there's nothing to worry about. Just just bring that to your doctor and then he will explain everything because I mean, I don't want to like step in, right, and start giving diagnosis to people, you know, like, I mean, just like calming, calming her down and you know? all like I mean, look, there's no need to panic. There's nothing there to worry about. You're not demented, you know, like, there's not an exam to see that anyway, you know, uh, just, just, just be relaxed until you see a ophthalmologist. Like he will explain everything you everything you, you need to know. You know, like, I mean, and then right away, like I mean, she calmed down. But like I mean, I don't know how long it would take for her to see that doctor. Right, like, I mean, maybe it'll be a week, maybe it'll be a month. You know, like and you're asking like for an old woman, like I mean, to leave with that stress, like I mean, until until that day comes. You know, and that that's the kind of situation that that, in my view, it's pretty easily avoidable. You know.
0: Well, you know, I think we've talked before too, Um, during one of your uh, clinical postdocs, you're working um, specializing in, you know, ocular tumors. And I think you've had some stories like that as well, where patients were, you know, waiting on a diagnosis and, and, you know, we have to think about someone's quality of life when you're treating them, but how about that gap in time when, you know, they're wondering, Hey, do I have, do I have a tumor or, is it something benign and he might be waiting three, four, five, six months to get answers, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I, that was in Toronto, right? I, mean, I did a clinical uh, fellowship there at the Princess Margaret uh, Hospital, which is the, the cancer hospital of the University of Toronto. And then uh, we were responsible for, for receiving uh, eye cancers from pretty much all over Canada. It is, at that time, I believe it was one of the only ones, you know, services that uh, would consistently receive uh, patients to treat like those tumors. So we would get patients from every province, right? Like, and, and sometimes, man, you would see like all the things that the patient had been through, like, I mean, until they would come to us. And it's a system that works well, you know, like, I mean, but sometimes it takes too long, you know, like, and then until we're able to give a definitive diagnosis to the patient. Uh, nothing said, you know, I mean, so let's say like a patient sees an optometrist uh, and then he spots like a, a, a mole in his eye, right? Which is usually sometimes the term that it's used. So it's like, oh, you have a mole in your eye or you have a, a tumor in your eye, a bump, you know, like, I mean, they use a lot of terms. And then uh, the, the 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 immediate question that the patient has is like, is it cancer, right? <laughs> and then uh, they're kind of like, well, I don't know. You know, like, I mean, so that doesn't help much, right? It was like, what, man, you tell telling me you have a tumor in the eye, and, you know, I mean, I want to know if it's cancer or not, right? I was like, well, I can't tell you that. Like, I mean, it's not my specialty. And then sometimes that patient gets referred to an ophthalmologist, right? Like, and then some, that takes a few weeks, weeks. And then the an ophthalmologist, just, like, sees the patient, and then it's like, well, yeah, you it indeed have a tumor in the eye. I'm like, okay, it's that cancer. I was like, well, I don't know, because, <laughs> you know, like, uh, I mean the 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 healthcare like in ophthalmology and pretty much any other specialty it's very segmented right so if that person doesn't do ocular oncology most ophthalmologists won't feel comfortable I mean dropping the hammer and saying confidently like if it's a cancer or not and then uh, off he goes like I mean being referred to another service right like and eventually he comes to us. And uh, yes, like, I mean, it is a cancer, and uh, and then, uh, you know, like, we, we think that's like, ah, oh, man, like, I mean, that diagnosis could have been done, like, a lot sooner, right? We just lost two, three months of, of treatment, you know, like, there. That's bad, obviously, you know, like, I mean, but when it's not a tumor, right, it's good news for the patient, obviously, you know, like, but imagine having lived, like, I mean, two, three months, like, I mean, with a non-tumor in your eye, but you actually think you have a tumor. Like, I mean, how well do you sleep? You know, like, I mean, during all this time, right? And uh, and, and I don't think there's a lot of, in the system right now, you know, like, I mean, to to to, to deal with that. You know, it's kind of like, look, you have a tumor in your eye. I did my job. I referred you. Good luck. Right? Like, I mean, if it takes one week or three months for that person to be seen, it's not a responsibility of the referring doctor anymore. And then it's not the, the responsibility of the doctor that will see that patient, right? Because they haven't seen yet. So that is just, I mean, the patient now is in the crack, right? Like, I mean, it's sort of like in this limbo where, like, I mean, nothing's done, nothing's said, and and he has no one to call uh, to, no one to ask for any information, right? And that obviously very stressful. And they don't
0: know, you know, so, yeah, wondering, and then even, okay, if I have a tumor in my what does... What are the next steps? What is there even treatments available? Am I going to die? What do I need to do? Um, yeah, no, I mean, anybody in limbo for any, you know, potentially grave diagnosis is, uh, It's. I mean, I never really had to deal with that. No, that's not true. I did have to deal with that personally once um, when I had a compartment syndrome in my, my quad, which is a, a whole different story. But um, I remember my mom asking the doctor, like, is he going to lose his leg? And the doctor says, I don't know. She says, is he going to die? She's like, I don't know. Then my mom was freaking out. Right. But, (laughs) um, but you know, within, within, uh, 12 hours I was in surgery and it was a different story. It wasn't like I was waiting for, for three months. Uh, so it's gotta be, uh, just like a nightmare for people who are, who are waiting on this. Right. But, and I think this kind of leads us to another, topic is a nice segue into what we want to talk about is terms of over specialization right so um where people kind of have boundaries of their specialty and up oh, that's it, and that's you know they can't move on. Do you have anything to talk about an over specialization in general today
1: yeah uh like you know, like I mean, just just to make something very clear, right? Like, I mean, we're, we're not here to demonize the medical specialty. Like I mean, we are in the medical field, so like, of, course uh, of course Yeah, of course. we yeah. we like I mean, it's like in, in medicine, it's it's not always an exact science, right? Like I mean, so like sometimes the doctors don't know, and and you know, like I mean, there, there's nothing that, that that can be done about it, right? And that that's not the actual situation that like I mean, I I I'm actually referring to, you know, like I mean, what I'm referring to it's like when the patient has a situation that. There is an answer for him right like I mean but he's just like lost in the system you know like, until someone can actually give him that, that, that answer you know uh, uh, so that's the, that's the problem. There will be cases that you know, like, even with the best care like I mean that push the pushing is seen like right away and, and sometimes there, there is not, there's not a conclusion you know like I mean so that, that's a different problem. But like when, when, when there is an answer to be given and that answer is not given because of like inefficiencies in the system, and like I mean, so that, that's where there's room for improvement. No? Like, I mean, that's, I think that's the whole point. But to get to your question, uh, over-specialization, I mean, I mean, anything over is bad, right? Like I mean, but specialization, it's unavoidable. Like I mean, we, I mean as medicine evolves, it became, there's too much to know in a given specialty, like, I mean, for someone to be good at everything. right? like, I mean, so that's how, before it was just like, oh, okay, I'm a doctor, right? Like, I mean, so right now there's specialties, right? Like, I mean, you're a cardiologist, right? like, I mean, you're a general surgeon, you're, you're a dermatologist or whatever, right? But even within those specialties, like now there's subspecialties, right? Like, I mean, so, I mean, if, if you have an eye problem and you go to an ophthalmologist, maybe that doctor won't be able to solve your problem because it's specialized on another disease. And that's very common. And uh, that's not the problem in itself, right? The problem is like when, 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 when the doctor becomes like so specialized on a disease that he only treats that disease and, 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 but like, and, and losing the, the desire to, to actually solve the problem of the patient, you know? Like, so let's give an example to make things clear. Uh, let's say I, I'm not seeing well and I go to a doctor and then the, the doctor happens to be specialized in cataract surgery, and then he, he goes there, I go there, and then he checks my eye, and was like, "Look, you don't have cataract." I was like, "Well, but I'm not seeing well. I was like, "Look, I don't know what you have, you don't have a cataract. I cannot solve your problem you know like and and that's that's not uncommon you know like, I mean with uh lot uh, we have a lot of stories of of people that go through that right like and then sometimes they get referred to another doctor and then like, I mean, that specialized on another disease, which is also included in the differential diagnosis, let's say glaucoma. And then that patient sees a doctor that specializes in glaucoma and he goes there, checks the eye, checks everything. I was like, look, you don't have glaucoma. I was like, wait, why can't I see? I was like, well, I don't know, but you don't have glaucoma, right? And then off he goes. Right? I mean, so that patient is lost again, trying to find a, patient, a a doctor that is specialized on the disease that he might have, right? What, whatever that, that might be,
0: right?
1: Exactly, right. Yeah. So the patient is basically being his doctor, like right? I mean, trying to find a, 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 a doctor that, like, by luck, it's specialized on the disease that he might have, and not the other way around. Right, like, I mean, when you step in a doctor and he's committed to find the disease you have, whatever that disease might be and uh so it's, it's all backwards right in a way
0: well and then sometimes you get referred back to your general practitioner who you know in their own right their job's pretty tough because they can't know everything about every uh field and as well as every subspecialty within those fields either right so they get a report back from your you know first ophthalmologist you saw and saying hey guy doesn't have this and, okay great and the second guy says well it's not glaucoma, but maybe he needs to be referred to you know, a, whatever, a retina specialist. So then, okay, now it's another referral they're trying to send off to, to somebody else, right? So, uh, yeah, no, that's, it's, uh, and, and, you know, again, just for people who are listening, we're not sitting here just to bash the system. We're just having open conversations about observations, right? And, um, you know, inefficiencies and kind of highlighting some of the problems that, you know, hopefully some people much smarter than... <laughs> Maybe much smarter yeah, than us. Exactly. Not, not to yeah. knock you, you know, you're pretty smart, but much smarter than us can kind of uh you know maybe make some incremental changes and stuff. So um another topic we wanted to bring up was you know the ethics of having, I guess you can call it a universal healthcare system, but that people don't always have access to, or it's not accessible to everyone. What are your thoughts on that in general?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think like because I mean everyone in Canada, right? Like I mean, I guess most people here in us you know, like I mean might, might, might be from here. And here we have theoretically like universal universal healthcare, like right? which is free for everybody. Uh and everybody's treated the same way. You know, like I mean so, so in theory that it that it's all good and all. But like everyone that lives here like knows that, you know, it ain't true. Right. Like I mean we 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 it's not accessible. Like, I mean, for, for everyone, like, I mean, for example, you were talking about, like, I mean, having a general practitioner, right? I mean, which is your first point of contact, like in the health system. Try to find one, you know? I don't have one. I don't have one. Exactly. I don't have So I put my name for once, like, I mean, to be on the list, like, I mean, to have one. I mean, one year after, like, I mean, I got called and then I could not pick up the phone because when I was doing something, whatever. And then, like they left a message, it was like, oh, okay, like I mean, you got called to like, I mean, to have a a, a a GP. And then I, I tried calling back, and like I couldn't, right? Like I me, mean, just started getting lost into like I mean endless like I me mean, recorded conversations you know, like messages and whatnot, you know. So I I pretty much lost like I mean my opportunity like to to have a, a GP and. And I'm still to this date, like I mean, don't don't have one, right? Like, I mean, so a system that it's based on, like I mean, this this segmentation, right? Like, I mean, you see a general practitioner, and then he will refer you to whatever specialist it's needed. Like, but if you don't have a GP, like you know, how can you get in the system, right? So the only only other way it's through emergency, right? I mean, and that's yeah. how most people take care of their health, right? I mean, so they don't do anything. Uh, uh, until things get really bad and then they go and crowd the emergencies and they stay for hours and then sometimes like a chronic disease is picked up, right? Like, I mean, there's like, oh, okay, you need to find a GP to take care of that. Uh, And that obviously, you know, like, I mean, it's not ideal, like, I mean, for the individual, but it's not ideal for the health system as well. It's not smart, right? I mean, because those are diseases that are more advanced, like they're usually much more expensive to treat and like all those people there, they are crowding the emergencies. Like, I mean, it could have been dealt with, like, I mean, outside uh, of that, right? Like, I mean, and, and leaving resources, like, to, to serve, like, I mean, through emergencies, you right? like, I mean, and not like a, you know, like a sore throat or a headache or whatever. Oh, for
0: sure. And I think that, uh, uh, I, you know, I've seen it firsthand when we, you know, I moved to, uh, to Ontario from Montreal about five years ago. And when we tried to find a general practitioner here, you know, there was actually, the timing was looked good because there was a guy who was opening up his, his practice and it was like announced in the newspaper and okay, Dr. So-and-so is opening his practice. And as of what, 9am on Monday, they're taking new patients, right? So we call in at 1115, I'm sorry, we've, we, the doctor can't take any more patients. Like what? Like as yeah. of 200 hours, 15 minutes ago, like, yes, we've been overwhelmed with calls and emails and people showing up and I'm sorry, the doctor can long day patients like, wow. Okay. So, and, and you know, and I tell friends that, Hey, my kids have a pediatrician and it's like, Oh my God, who did you know to get a pediatrician? And yeah. that's the, that's it's the true. reality though. But the reality is, yeah. is that I did know somebody when my, when my, uh, you know, my wife's first pregnancy, which was a bit rough, uh, or very rough actually. And we needed a pediatrician. Um, uh, back then I did that. And I, I didn't know somebody because that pediatrician wasn't taking more patients. And I just happened to have a contact who talked to him and said, Hey, and then he said, okay, I'll, I'll, uh, all right, I'll take you on kind of doing this guy a favor because otherwise you couldn't get a pediatrician, which is, 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 is kind of crazy. Right. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Like, yeah. I,
1: I was looking like there oh, was a, there's a, there's a, there's a, I mean, it's still on the topic there, are pediatricians, no, I mean, so there's a, there's a pediatric clinic, like in Montreal, that like, I mean, takes patients without referral, right, I mean, and then I was like, oh, okay, that's great, and then uh, I went on the website, it was like, yeah, we take patients without referral, but just for emergencies, like, I mean, for, for regular care, like, I mean, just following up, like, I mean, the, the development of kids or not, like regular consultations, you need a referral from a general practitioner, you know, I was like, well, what if I have not have one? You know, like I mean, just like you know, there is those kinks like in the system, right? Like I mean, that uh, you only know if you actually spoke, exposed to that. You know, like I mean, and because like in theory, like the system works well, but like I mean, the people that are dependent on the system, like I mean, knows all too well that it doesn't work, right? And is it like that for everybody? You know, like I mean, as you just said, like oh, you know someone, and you know you got in, and like let I me. Mean, like it's the the, the the big uh how can i say that like, i can mean, the biggest uh, argument in favor of universal healthcare is that like we're on the same boat right like i mean so like I mean, someone living off welfare or the ceo of a big company they all go through the same steps right so if the system is bad the little guy will complain but the big guy will also complain and that guy will have like, I mean, someone hearing him. Right. And then the, the system will improve. Right. Uh, but like, I mean, I think like you compare the system in Brazil, for example, right. Cause we have the private system and the public system, you know, like i mean, so the people with money, they just go private. And then the public system, like, I mean, goes, goes downhill. Uh, so here it's universal. So theoretically, it's great because everybody has the same thing. If it's bad, if it's bad for everybody, right? Like, I mean, but is it really the case? Like, I mean, do we expect that, like, I mean, like a big shot CEO of a big company and like, I mean, his, his daughter, like, I mean, has, you know, like, I mean, uh, a pink eye. Like, I think that person will stay like, I mean, six, 10 hours, like in, in an emergency room. Like I don't, know, I don't see that happen. I've been there with my kids, and and like I see the kind of people there. It's there, you know. Like and and that's the part that I don't think is ethical, right? Like because uh, the people that do have a voice to complain about it, like I me, mean, I don't think they are suffering like through the inefficiencies of the system as someone that do not have a voice, right? Like and 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 that's why the system does not improve.
0: Oh, and it's it's interesting. So. I just want to touch before we end up, uh, you know, we can talk for hours, but I think just kind of as an inaugural episode here, I think we're highlighting a few, um, a few points that are, you know, just interesting, uh, intellectual exercises, if nothing more, um, you as a physician, as an ophthalmologist, uh, and a specialist, actually, um, I'm sure you've had, you know, the odd person here and there have <laughs> friends or family saying, Hey, Bruno, uh, I've got this, uh, you know, my cousin's daughter who has, uh, you know, this problem with her eye and she's wondering this, or she saw this, this, um, you know, her doctor and he didn't know what to do. And then she's kind of lost. Like I, I'm not a doctor. I have a research background and I get these people, you know, my mom's a dance teacher. And she says, Hey, I got a kid who is having this problem with her eye. And what do you think? And I'm like, you know, okay. And I'm not a, a doctor. So I'm imagining, um this kind of tying in with what we we're talking about before being the patient almost having to uh, in many cases guide their own path to try to get medical help have you dealt with a lot of you know friends or family members or friends of friends of <laughs> friends who have reached out for uh you know for your medical advice outside of the clinic
1: oh yeah man all the time uh like and it happens also funny sometimes like the, the i have a patient like that happens to be a friend of mine and then i'm like amazed they're like oh no i was diagnosed with this disease and like but nobody explained me what it was and like i'm kind of lost here i don't know i don't know what to do or what to think of it and uh i say, okay let, let's calm down like i mean i mean who did you who did, it, who did see you you know because like, i know a lot of people right and then it happens to- Oh, like I mean, the person like I mean who, who, who saw the patients, right? I mean, they're, they're great doctors, right? And then I was kind of like, okay, your hands, right? Let's start with that, right? Just, just calm down. I'm sure, like I mean, that person, like I mean, saw had to be seen, and you know, like me, the the uh, whatever action had to be taken, I, I'm sure was the right one, you know. Like I mean, it's like, yeah, no, but I mean, they complained, and they have time to explain to me this, then that, you know. And then I can relate that also because I know I mean I worked as a doctor before and right? like, I mean and, and and like the system doesn't incentivize like I mean the doctors like to spend a lot of time with the patients right like I mean they get paid per consultation so like I mean the, the more they speed up like I mean the more patients he sees uh, and 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 and. And, and then just explaining a little bit, you know, like I mean, about what the disease is or like I mean, how they progress, or explaining a bit, like I mean, how the treatment that was offered like, works, uh, it's enough, like I mean, to calm them down, you know, like and and it's like, okay, I have a better understanding of it, like it's all good. I, uh, and 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 sometimes it's even simpler than that, you know, like I mean, sometimes I even don't say anything, I just kind of like, okay, just 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 tell me everything. And then, like just listening, like I mean, to, to what they have they have been through, it's enough, you know. It's it kind of like just them talking about it, like it start making sense in their own minds, uh, and and they 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 just kind of like get what they need.
0: It's uh, you know, it's interesting. I've had this conversation with uh, some other friends of mine who are ophthalmologists, and saying it's trying to trying to find that balance of that human element of, okay, you know, that person may have just traveled. Maybe maybe they waited three months to get an appointment with you, and then they traveled three hours to get there, and then they waited in the waiting room for three and a half hours because things are running behind, and then you see them, and then after two minutes of your time, they go, okay, all right, I'll see you. See you again in three months to say, hold on a second, here, doc. Like, <laughs> but but you've got you've got to rip through you know sixty, eighty, a hundred patients sometimes as a, if you're a general ophthalmologist and probably even a specialist. I'm guessing, uh, and you, you just don't have the time. So I guess you know that again kind of takes us full circle to this podcast as um as a vehicle for just sharing information um i think even you know from a patient's perspective uh, i mean i've been a patient in those scenarios too where you're waiting for a specialist appointment and it just seems like they don't give you the time of day but maybe also just sometimes just understanding the other side of that equation that this this person is you know trying to help as many people in a day as they possibly can. And exactly, I'm sorry that right. they, yeah, they can't, they can't handhold and, and to, you know, it is a trade-off there, right? Okay. Well, is it better to see yeah. 50 patients and spend more time with them or, or treat hundred patients? Because if you see 50 and spend more time, you're creating a bigger backlog in the system. Right.
1: Yeah. And also like, I mean, uh, uh, I mean to, to make the most of every professional like in the in the in the health system, right? Like I mean, it, it's it's very inefficient, right? Like, I mean, to put like I mean a neutral specialist, uh to to keep explaining like how to put a contact lens, you know, like I mean in a patient, right? Like I mean something that can be done by a lot of people, you know. So it's better like I mean for that doctor that spent like two minutes with you to, to go and spend two minutes with another patient, right? Like, I mean, because what he's doing like the the decision that he has been taking only him can do it right uh so it's it's i don't think it's it's fair like i mean to ask that specific doctor like i mean to use his, his valuable and 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 scare time scare uh scarce time to to spend one hour like i mean going in over you know like i mean the, i mean the specifics of each condition for each patient right like i mean it's it's not very efficient right I- so it, it I think it's a matter of logistics you know, like I said, everybody's well intentioned like on doing the right thing but like the, the way the whole system works it's it's very inefficient and everybody loses right like, I mean so the doctors the patients because uh, like, that kind of miscommunications is usually the, the cause of most lawsuits right like I mean people don't understand like I mean what they, what what they've been going through or the expectations that they might have and, and like I mean that, that gonna cause problems
0: man. there's some famous study about that i don't remember it that well but it was over the u.s i think where they were showing that doctors who um you know who were deemed more likable by their patients and a lot of it that had to do with actually just just spending that extra 60 seconds with them to to explain things to them a little bit they were they were deemed to be more likable and significantly less to ever get sued by their patients for you know malpractice suits but uh no, i mean that's a whole a whole topic in and of itself but you know, I think that, uh, again, just I think the idea with this podcast, too, is to provide a, a bit of a platform for people. Like I want to, you know, clinicians to be able to have that tool also, to that they're providing information to their patients that is digestible, that's understandable for the patient, but so that the clinician can actually move on to the next. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great with what we're doing here? Uh, you know, if you're treating a patient that's got you know, diagnosed with glaucoma and they say, Oh my God, what is glaucoma? What do I, what do I, am expecting what's going to happen? What's the prognosis? Should I be telling the rest of my family? Can they, can they catch this from me? You know, um, wouldn't it be great to just say, Hey, listen, I've got, you know, here's, here's a a link, go and listen to episode seven, episode 22, whatever. Um, it's going to take an hour, but it's going to dive into basically everything you need to know and break it down for you. If you have any questions after that, then, you know, follow up or something, right? I think that that's part of what we're trying to to do here, um, that knowledge transfer uh, in, in all directions, right?
1: Yeah, we, I mean, find, finding that, that, that niche, right? Like, I mean, so where are the cracks in the system, right? Like, I mean, so where are the inefficiencies and, and how it can help, you know? Like, so it'd it be good for the patients because, like, I mean, if you go in, on google like it's scary like i mean so you just put some symptoms there like you know like it's 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 not fun you know uh and 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 it'd be good for patients for doctors also like i mean if they have a place to to refer their patients to where they know like that they would get information that at the it's digested and you know, like and exposed in a way that a lay person can understand, but it's still scientifically sound, right. I mean, and, and, and not, uh, and, and, a bit more educated than the regular media. For sure. So well,
0: listen, I think that's probably a good day, a time to wrap up here, but, uh, thanks for, uh, joining me on this adventure. You know, we're going to be, uh, people are going to be hearing our, <laughs> our voices as time goes on. So, uh, uh yours and mine so listen thanks for uh, for today and then uh, i'm looking forward to getting this episode uh out to the to the the masses as well as the uh the episodes that are going to follow
1: well thanks for having me man on this first episode uh, uh i'm sure it's going to go well I, I, I know for a long time and and i know when you put your mind to something like good things like happen so uh, i'm excited to see the who you invite next and uh i'm definitely going to follow it
0: follow man you're you're the producer you, you can't you can't uh, you can't do one episode and escape this right so
1: <laughs>
0: all right until the next episode buddy we'll talk to you soon
1: take care man bye